0: My name is Antonio Caraballo. I'm 20 years old. It's been three years since I got to Colombia. I came here walking.
1: The number of Venezuelans leaving their country is striking.
0: All I have is my Venezuelan ID because I crossed the border illegally.
1: The UN estimates that figure is over 5 million. There has been an 8,000% increase in the number of Venezuelans seeking refugee status worldwide since 2014, and nearly half of those people have gone to one place—Colombia.
0: I had a small job at a framing store, but the woman couldn't hire me any longer without documents because she was scared immigration would come and shut down her business.
1: Antonio is one of nearly two million Venezuelans trying to find stability in Colombia despite their legal status.
0: 1.8 million Venezuelans are currently living in the country and officials believe 55% of them don't have proper visas.
1: Now, the Colombian government is offering an alternative to the Venezuelans living there. Colombia will give temporary protective legal status to Venezuelan migrants. This temporary protective status could be a path to legal residency for many, and maybe citizenship. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take.
0: I walk roughly 10 blocks from my apartment to the office.
1: That's Alessandro Rampiatti, Al Jazeera's correspondent in Bogota, Colombia.
0: Before the pandemic, there was one lady from Venezuela with her two children who would sit on one corner selling garbage bags to the people on their way or ask for a little help. Now, there are days where I might find four or five of those families on the streets asking for money. And I think just that just gives you an idea of how bad the situation is.
1: We spoke to Alessandro just hours after Colombia's president, Ivan Duque, took the podium at the 46th session of the United Nations Human Rights Council to talk about the crisis in Venezuela and his Venezuelan counterpart, Nicolás Maduro. The international community cannot be indifferent towards these atrocious crimes that concern not only its victims, but all humankind. Duque also used his time at the council to ask for international help and solidarity. Alessandro explained why he made that appeal. This
0: is one of the largest migration anywhere in the world right now, comparable to the Syrian refugee crisis. And at the same time is the most underfunded crisis in the world. So if you look at the numbers, comparing it with the Syrian crisis, the international community has spent 7.4 billion on that response efforts. While the international community has only spent five hundred eighty million in the Venezuelan refugee crisis,
1: I want to pause you there because why do you think that is? Why do you think that the spending has been so much less when it comes to this issue?
0: I think that there has been resistance in describing this crisis as a global one, in part that has to do that this crisis was also inflicted by the Venezuelan government by the collapse of his of its economy. It, there are no external reasons for this. There's no war going on in uh, Venezuela. I also think that in part it's because it mostly affects South American countries. It's not affecting the US, for example. And again, this is something that more than one official of the Duca government uh, have told me they're hoping that This decision will help attract more assistance to countries like Colombia.
1: Alessandra, tell me, what does temporary protective legal status mean? And what does it mean for Venezuelan migrants living in Colombia? Essentially,
0: it means that all Venezuelan migrants who are in the country now, independently if they're here legally or not, they will be able to be legally in the country for the next 10 years. They will be able to access the health system to get formal contracts if they find a job and so on. And also the possibility in the longer term to get residency and eventually citizenship. And according to the latest number of the government, we're looking at almost 1 million people, 966,000, who are here right now.
1: It's worth noting that Colombia has offered temporary permits to Venezuelans before. But it had to be renewed every two years, and it didn't offer a path to legal status. There were hundreds of thousands of people in that category, and they'll be part of the new program too. To qualify, Venezuelans are required to have entered Colombia before January 31st of this year, legally or not. But going forward, the protection will only apply to those who enter the country legally in the next two years. We asked Venezuelans living in Colombia for their reaction to the announcement of this temporary status. Here is Aura Okando in Medellin. I hope it brings us more opportunities, and not just in terms of jobs, because not being able to access credit or not being able to rent certain things because you're Venezuelan is usually a bit counterproductive. This is Hector Luzardo. He lives in Bogota.
2: Colombia has been a
1: country of
0: assistance and growth on a professional level, spiritual level, in all the ways. But we want to achieve citizenship to be able to get rid of the Venezuelan passport and be able to go in search of other things. So for us, this is a real blessing,
1: an opportunity. In an op-ed published this week, the U.N. High Commissioner for Refugees, Filippo Grande, said Colombia's treatment of Venezuelan refugees and the granting of this temporary protective status should be held up as a, quote, global model. And he said it could turn the tide on one of the biggest crises of its kind in recent history. So this is a big deal. Is that how the people you've talked to see it?
0: There's no doubt that it's a a huge deal. It came as a surprise. But if you look at the most recent polls, Half or maybe even a little bit more uh, of Colombians are worried about it, don't necessarily agree with this decision. But there are a series of reasons, I'd say, why the government has decided to do this. Some are very practical the fact that the Colombian government wants to know who these people are to better assist them. Also, their conditions have worsened greatly during the pandemic. Many of them have lost their. Homes, the rooms that they were renting. Many of those who had a job also lost their job, ending up on, on the streets. Thousands that were working informally on the streets weren't able to make ends mean. So all this situation uh, has worsened and has pushed the Colombian government to uh, make this decision.
1: Alessandra said this announcement also puts the president in the spotlight internationally. And
0: I think this is also President Duque thinking about his legacy. He's been in government for almost three years. He doesn't have a lot to show and that puts him in the spotlight regionally when you compare him to other presidents throughout South America who haven't done that. And actually have had a more at times xenophobic approach when compared to Colombia towards this huge migration.
1: You've been at the border with Venezuela. You've spoken to migrants. They're not only on the border, they're also in Bogota, in the cities. What have they told you? What have you learned?
0: I've I've heard over and over uh, again, desperate stories of people who had practically lost everything back home, who were not able to eat anymore. And so if you travel from the border either the northern border in the in the region called La or from the city of Cúcuta you could see hundreds of people walking with their bigger belongings entire family walking for thousands of kilometers through very difficult terrain because, you know, they're going through the Andes. They found very little help along the way. And mostly the help that they found was just generous Colombians offering them a place to stay, offering them some food, a a little money, trucks stopping and picking them up and so on. So a, a very difficult situation that, again, the context of the pandemic just made so much worse.
1: How easy is it for people to access basic things like housing, work, healthcare, once they get to Colombia.
0: It's very difficult. Again, this country wasn't prepared to receive immigrants, so the little help that there is has been built from scratch in the last four or five years. Bureaucracy can be overwhelming in this country. My name is Manuela Tobar. I'm Venezuelan, I come from Caracas,
2: and now I'm living in Medellin.
1: Manuela is a young Venezuelan lawyer living in Medellin. She's had plenty of experience with that bureaucracy.
2: Basically, in order for you to get an ID, you need a visa. That's either a tourist visa, a migrant visa, or a residence visa.
1: She's been in Colombia for more than three years. And she says being a Venezuelan there right now is complicated in a lot of ways. One of the hardest parts is finding a place to live.
2: If you're foreign and come to Colombia, it's impossible to rent a place through a real estate agent. In
0: Colombia. In general,
2: to rent a place, you need bank statements from a Colombian
0: bank.
2: So when my boyfriend and I rented out our first apartment, we couldn't do it under our names. Even though we have the temporary permit of permanence and had opened a bank account, we didn't have bank statements because we had just opened the account. So then a friend helped us and used her ID and statements to be able to rent the place.
1: Those barriers to housing are big ones, especially because it's tough to open a bank account without a job. And it's hard to get a job without legal documents. Actually, a lot of things are hard without legal documents. But Manuela is optimistic about what this new status can mean for her and others.
2: I think that in the best case scenario, I will get a document from immigration. I will stop being invisible, not just me, but the entire Venezuelan community. We will get numbers that identify us inside Colombia. And the other thing that's really important is that I start accumulating time towards a residence visa in order to eventually naturalize as a Colombian. I accept my responsibility of paying taxes. I bet that we Venezuelans will stop being second-class citizens in Colombia.
1: Manuela and her boyfriend, Rafael Marquina, wanted us to hear from another group of Venezuelan migrants. The Caminantes, or the walkers. These are the migrants who have fled the country by foot, with nothing other than the belongings on their backs. They walk kilometers from Venezuela to Colombia, Peru, and even Chile and beyond. Manuela and Rafael found two cousins selling candy by a traffic light in Medellin. You heard from one of them, Antonio, at the top of this episode. Here's his cousin, Andres. I'm Andres Daniel Rios.
0: I'm 30 years old. I've been in Colombia for nine months. I came here walking. I haven't been able to find a job because I only have my Venezuelan ID. So no papers or permit to work. I live at a hostel where I pay daily for my room. Sometimes when I ask people to buy my candy, they say they don't want Venezuelans or there's no work here. Go back to your country,
1: things like that. Alessandro, this migrant crisis is not new. It's been going on for years. From your vantage point, what can we expect next?
0: Well, the Colombian Immigration Office estimates that once they reopen the border, they could receive more than 300,000 Venezuelan migrants in the following three months. So this crisis is not going away. There's no resolution on the horizon. I think that the only way to help the receiving countries and to help Venezuelan migrants and refugees will be to have more international help. It is an issue at this point of money to help these countries, assist these people. We might reach a point where real refugee camps will be necessary at the border, but definitely the world needs to look at this crisis and to help more. And that help has not materialized this far.
1: And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Ney Alvarez, Priyanka Tilbe, and Nagin Oliay with Dina Kispe, Alexandra Locke, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldán is our sound designer. Tim St. Clair mixed and edited this episode. Natalia Aldana is our engagement producer, and Stacy Samuel is the takes executive producer. Special thanks to Antonietta Calandrialo and all the Venezuelans who allowed us to share their voices in this episode. We'll be back on Friday.